Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, Eugene O'Neill said this, said, Man is born broken, he lives lives by mending, and the grace of God is the glue. <laughs> the grace of God is the glue. I'm going to get thankful for the grace of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Over the last five weeks, we've been talking about God's amazing grace. We have talked about the fact that His amazing grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. And, and I'm just so grateful for God's amazing grace in my own life. Uh, in fact, by God's amazing grace through faith, we have received His saving grace. I'm so thankful for the saving grace of the Lord God. We talked about the fact that His grace is sufficient for us. It's sufficient to meet us when we face temptation, when we face uh, times where we are tired or troubled. God's grace is sufficient in our Weakness, And then last week, we talked about the fact that as recipients of God's grace and forgiveness, that we also have a responsibility to also be grace extenders as we extend forgiveness and grace to others as well when they hurt us. And all of that is amazing. And today, there's another facet of God's grace that we're going to look at today. And that is, we're going to discover that we have been entrusted and uh, entrusted with the stewardship of God's gift of grace in our lives. Now, this is a day where oftentimes gifts are exchanged and given, and God has given us as his people various gifts, the scripture says, and they are gifts of his grace, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, uh, not because in in some way uh, we have achieved something that God has to give it to us in some way. No, the gifts that we have are, are considered to be, or scripture calls them the grace, stewards of his grace. In fact, 1 Peter 4.10 puts it like this, as each one of you have received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards, look at this, at the manifold grace of God. Do you see the connection here? That, that each one has received a gift, and, and it's a gift to be able to serve, and to be able to minister, and to be able to lift up others, and it's called a grace of God. And you and I are called to be good stewards of this manifold, this many, this various grace of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul, not only Peter, shared the same idea of understanding when it came to the stewardship of grace. And he wrote to the Ephesian leaders concerning his call to minister to them. And this is what he said, Ephesians 3, 2. I'm going to read from the Amplified because it just adds a lot of extra detail that I think is important. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. So what, what Paul is saying here is, assuming you've already heard of this, you, you, you know that, that there's a stewardship of God's grace. He's assuming that they, that they know this that was entrusted to me to dispense to you for your benefit. And again, Paul and Peter both agree that the gifts that we've been given are the grace of God. And as a result of that, we are called to steward that 
grace. In fact, I think that stewardship is one of the most misunderstood terms within the New Testament. Oftentimes when we hear stewardship, the first thing that we think about is money and tithing, and we we get all our feathers all up and we want to run for the door. Stewardship is much more than, than, than just finances, than just tithing. It does include that, but it's much more than that. In fact, stewardship is actually a description of the Christian life. As a steward, uh, you, you are, a steward is one who manages one's property or, or, or the property of another for the benefit of the owner. So, so a steward says, I don't own it. It's not mine. There is an owner that owns it. I'm simply a manager of what the owner has entrusted to me. How many know that God owns everything? God owns everything. And right in the very beginning of, cre- of creation, we learn this, and, and stewardship is central to our identity as, as children of God. He owns everything by right of, right of creation, but also not just right of creation, but also by right of redemption. Right of redemption. First Corinthians 6.20 says, you were bought with a price. You're actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. So when he's talking about our, 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 our body, our very lives, we have been created by God. He is our creator. He is our owner. But then he redeemed us by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So we are his and all that we have is his by not only creation, but redemption that we might glorify God. Scripture says that everything belongs to God and we have simply been entrusted with it to be good managers or good stewards of the grace of God to benefit his people, to, to benefit others and also for his glory. The concept, again, as I said, is not just about money, not just about property, but also about talents and abilities and the gifts of God's grace that he has entrusted to us. They're on loan from God to us to be used for him and for his glory. Everything belongs to God. The idea of stewardship comes right at the very beginning of creation. When God created man, he gave him a job to do. Yes, he, a, a job is, is not a result of the curse. A job came before curse. I'm sorry. I know we like to think that our job is a curse. It just got harder because of the curse. But work was work and labor was actually something that happened prior to. It was, it was good. In fact, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. There was a job. This wasn't just a little vegetable garden. We're not talking about a little zucchini or a little tomato or, or a, a small little garden you might have in your backyard. In fact, we're not even talking about the largest and grandest farm that we talk about. In fact, when you take a look at, at, at what, what, what Scripture actually says, the garden that, that, that Adam and Eve were put into, you, you can see that it was much larger than that. It had all kinds of trees that were pleasing to the eye. There were rivers and, and that the, the watered the garden. It was full of gold and, and, and resin and onyx and, and, and it brought livestock and, and the livestock was paraded before, all the animals paraded before Adam that he might give them a name and name them. It was, it was a huge thing that was entrusted into Adam's care, Eve's care, that they would be the stewards 
of what God had gifted as grace. They didn't do anything to earn it. They didn't do anything to deserve it. There wasn't any kind of merit that was there. It was simply them being entrusted by God with this wonderful creation to take care of it. Why? Because that is God's grace. His gifts were his grace. They were to be stewards of that gift. And Adam represents all of humanity. Look at Romans chapter 5 and you'll see that, that Adam represented humanity as God's creation. We are recipients of the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of that are the amazing gifts that God has given us and entrusted to us to steward for his glory. So what are the requirements of good stewards? When we look in the Bible, what are the requirements? And as, we, as I look, I find two things that are common. For every steward to be a good steward, there are two things that we find that are common. The first one is faithfulness. Faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. I think that, that faithfulness is something that's lost. It's a lost virtue in our culture today. Faithfulness. Faithfulness, simply doing what you said you would do. Being found faithful to be committed and to stay committed and to do what you said you would do. Faithfulness. The second is fruitfulness. In fact, one of the first commands given to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. To be fruitful. And when God made the covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, he promises that he will make Abraham fruitful. Fruitfulness was a part of what God says that we ought to be. In Genesis 35, when it came to Jacob, he gave the same command. He said, be fruitful, be fruitful. And he gave it to, to in Matthew 3, 8, he encourages us to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So when we come to Christ by redemption and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. True repentance is not simply being sorry, but it's a turning around that there is fruit involved in keeping with repentance, that the fruit of our lives ought to demonstrate the sorrow that we have to turn away from sin and to turn to God. Two verses later, Matthew 3.10, he says this, he warned this, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's serious business. That's serious business. God takes faithfulness and fruitfulness. God takes the qualities of stewardship very seriously as we will find out. So how do we, how are we fruitful? How do we stay fruitful? Well, Jesus gave this encouragement in John 15. He said of himself, I am the vine. And then he says this, verses four and five, remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So in other words, we can't do it on our own. In other words, fruitfulness does not come from ourselves. It does not come from, from us simply doing it on our own. It comes when we remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, look at this, he will bear much fruit. Not a little fruit. Much fruit. He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So what we're encouraged to do as good stewards is to remain in Him. Remain connected to the vine. Remain in Christ because it's only when we remain in Christ, it's only when we learn how to abide in Him and abide in His Holy Spirit and abide in His amazing grace that you and I can produce good fruit. Abiding is, is, is faithfulness. As we remain faithful, as we remain faithful, fruitfulness follows. Fruitfulness follows faithfulness. Why? Because we've been given the empowering grace of God to stay connected, the empowering grace of God to do what he's asking us to do. In the book of Galatians, Paul warned the people, why is it that you started in grace, but then you turned to another, to another way? to another gospel, to another, uh, another path. This part of being, being followers of Jesus Christ, we're just not saved by grace, but how many of you know that we're empowered by grace to be able to live as God has called us to live? We can't do it apart from the grace of God, and we can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is only evidenced in our lives when we learn how to abide in Jesus, in Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. So let's talk a little bit about stewardship. And I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 25, because Jesus told a parable in Matthew 25 about stewardship. He told a, a, an, an amazing parable about, and, and it shows us some principles of stewarding the, the gift of grace. Stewarding the gift of grace. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent. Look at this. Each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. Let's pause right there and just unpack a little bit. Because the first principle that we find is that God is the giver of gifts. God is the giver of gifts. The gifts that we have, the, the abilities that we have, the talents that we have are a gift of God. It's the master who entrusts his servants with what is his. We're not the owners of the gift. It is not ours. It's something that has been entrusted to us, and we are simply stewards of what the master has given us. To Jesus' original hearers, a talent would have been a very large unit of monetary value. A very large unit of monetary value. People who had net worth equaled uh, a talent were very well off. And this master has many talents. Notice he gives five to one and two to another and one to another. Just one talent would have been uh, an amazing value or monetary value. But this is a very wealthy master. Again, the parable is not really about stewarding money. But it's about stewarding the gifts that God has entrusted to us. That's why the English word talent, which doesn't mean money, but gifts and abilities, it's, it's wider than that. We, when we say that someone is rich, we don't say that they're talented. We, we don't mean that they're talented, we mean they're gifted. Dale Brunner defines a talent as this, whatever the Lord gives now and will ask about later. That's a talent. Whatever the Lord gives now and will ask about later. How many know that's a lot more than just money? Whatever the Lord gives now, but he's going to ask about later. <laughs> the master is not obligated to give his servants anything, but each servant received talents as a grace of the master. 
The word grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. And the story says nothing about these servants and, and that they deserve this or they earned this or, or, or they, they had worked for this. It was simply a gift of God's grace. It was something that he simply had given to them. And isn't that true about the gospel? The gospel is about receiving the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what you do have that you did not receive, if then you received it, why do you boast if you did not receive it? It indicates that, that again, this wasn't anything to boast about because it was simply a gift that had been given and received, not something that had been earned. And it's clear that the master is the one giving the talents as he wills. Verse 15, I gave talents each according to his own ability. Each according to his own ability. Sometimes it might be difficult to unpack. What does this mean? What is, he, what is he saying? Talents and abilities. I mean, when we look at it, we might say, is he saying talents and talents, abilities and abilities? Aren't these the same word? Isn't this what he's saying? But to really get a clearer picture, if we looked at the Greek, the translated word ability there is actually in the sentence, the Greek word dunamis, which means power or capability. So he not only gives us the ability, but he gives us the capability to be able to carry out and be fruitful with what he has given us. It's not just about you given a talent. It's about you also having the capability to be able to be a good steward of that talent. That is the grace of God. That's what God has given us. He graciously gives us and entrusts his servants not only with certain skills, but he gives them the power to be able to employ those skills. I think of Moses. God, I can't talk. You're, you're, you're calling me to, to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go and to lead this people. I can't do this. I, I, I can't do it. And God says, yeah, I, I not only gave you the, the talent and the ability, but by my spirit, I'm giving you the capability to be able to do what I've called you to do. There are so many of us that even look at our talents or our abilities and we go, well, I can't, I can't do that. I can't be used like that. I, I can't do that. Friends, when you understand that it's a grace that God has given you, and in that grace, it is not just simply the ability, but he also, by his power, gives you the capability, then you are able to follow and serve God as a faithful steward of his grace. Both of these are considered a grace of God. Secondly, God highly values the gifts that he's given us. God highly values the gifts that he gives us. And choosing to use the talents as a metaphor for the abilities that God entrusts us with, Jesus makes it clear here about a high value that the master places on what he has given. It's nearly impossible for us to convert this, this first century talent to modern currency. Some, some uh, have said that a talent might equal $600,000. So if you had the five talent person given five talents, it might be like the equivalent of $3 million that you've been entrusted with. Wow, right? That's a lot when you think of it that way. 
or 1.2 million for the, for the two talent person or the one talent person, just 600,000. We're not talking about a small thing. Sometimes when we look at this, we say, well, he was only given one talent. That doesn't mean a whole lot compared to the others. We have a tendency to be able to compare it and say, well, that's not much. But God says that what I've given you, I, I highly value what I've given you. So whether I've given you five or whether I've given you two or whether I've given you one, I highly value what I have given you. In fact, Matthew 25, 16 and 18 says that the servant, the one talent servant did not value the same way. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. You see the five talent guy and the two talent guy, they went out and they used, they were stewards, they were faithful with what they had been given. And as a result of their faithfulness, they saw fruitfulness. As a result of their faithfulness, they were faithful, there was fruitfulness. But the one talent didn't value the talent as high, didn't value the grace as much, didn't put that same value on it, and as a result had a different reaction, went out and hid it in the ground. Dug a hole, why? Well, it's feasible that the less talent servant might have envied the more talent servant. In fact, I think comparison is one of the enemies to being a good steward of the grace of God. I look at what I have, and I look at what you have, and I envy what you have, and I say, well, if I had what you had, then I would do that. If I had what you had, if I could do this, if I could do that, if I was, if I was good at teaching, or if I was good at singing, or if, if I was good at leading, or I was, boy, if I did that, boy, I would use my talent, but I'm not. I just have, I just have this gift over here. I just have this over here. I'm not as talented as you. I, I can't play an instrument like you, or sing like you, or, or, or make a meal like you. I, I'm not as hospitable, but if I did, I would. And I think one of the enemies of us being a good steward and being faithful is we compare we look at somebody else, and I think that perhaps this one servant, one talent servant looked at the others and said, well, I didn't get five, and I didn't get two. I only got one, so I, I really can't use it. There's not much I can do. Comparison will kill. But the, the, the problem was is that it wasn't seen as a, a grace or a gift from the master. It wasn't seen as the amazing grace, and, and, and so therefore it was not valued as high. And, and, and friends, the story continues, and we see how the master highly valued what he had entrusted his servants with. Matthew 25, 19 to 23. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents here, and I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, look at this, well done, good and, what's the word? faithful servant. Why? Because what do we see about stewardship? It is faithfulness and fruitfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of your master. So there's great joy. How about the two talent? Was that highly valued? Was that as much valued? It's not five. What about the two talent guy? Look at this. It says he also had two talents came forward. Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Whether it was five or whether it was two, the, 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 the reward or the words of encouragement or the uplift or the, hey, wonderful was the same. 
It wasn't about how much. It was about the faithfulness of stewarding the gifts that had been given. Stewarding the grace that had been given. And his master said to him, you've been faithful over little. There's that word again. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Both the five talent and the two talent, both they were faithful. And as a result, they both received the same commendation from the master. The master simply highly valued their stewardship of what they had been given. He did not expect any more than their faithfulness with what they had been given. What they'd been given. Notice that the master also came to settle accounts. Didn't we see that last week? I I think over and over again, if you read scripture, you will see over and over again that we will give an account to the master. We're going to give an account to God. We're going to give an account to God for our stewardship of what he has given us because all of it is a grace, including the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that he has given us are a grace of God. And you and I will be held accountable for our stewardship of the grace of God. Again, last week it involved forgiveness, forgiveness and grace, and the expectation that forgiveness and grace that has been given ought to be forgiveness and grace that is extended. And here once again, we see the master highly values the stewardship of the gifts of grace. Some are given more, some are given less, but all are given much. Luke 12, 48, everyone to whom much is given, of him much shall be required. And from him to whom they are entrusted, they will demand the more. Again, the master, well done, good and faithful good and faithful servant. Notice, fruitfulness followed faithfulness. Fruitfulness follows faithfulness. Be faithful. Abide in the vine. And there is a promise that you can count on that when you are faithful, when you are abiding in the vine, fruitfulness will follow. Why? Because it's not your power. It's not your might. It's not your capability. It is the capability and the power that he gives you. He gives you the gift and he gives you the power to employ it. Therefore, when you are in Christ, you can't help but do what it said in John 15, and that is bear much fruit. If we're not fruitful, we've got to ask ourselves, are we being faithful? Fruitfulness follows faithfulness. Sometimes we want fruitfulness without faithfulness. I want fruitfulness without faithfulness. God, why is so-and-so blessed and I'm not blessed? Why is this and not that? I'm not going to say it always works that way, but most of the time the principle is there. And when we're not being fruitful, we've got to check our faithfulness. We've got to check our faithfulness. Some of us want prayers answered, but we're not willing to follow and be, remain in, in Christ. We want the benefits of God's blessings without remaining in Christ. Faithfulness. And, and, and unfortunately... The story goes on and we see what happened with the one talent guy, right? Does the master really care about the one talent guy? Does he really care about the one talent that he gave? Matthew 25, 24 says he does. 
He also, who had received one talent, came forward. So everyone came forward. It didn't matter. They all came forward. And look, he says, he, he came forward. This is what he said. Master, I know you're a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have back what is yours. So in other words, I didn't lose anything, but I didn't gain anything. Here you go. Just have back. Here, have it back. Have it back. Because you know what? I'm afraid of you. Bottom line, I'm afraid of you. You're a hard man. I'm afraid of you. And, 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 and the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You read this? Where's the grace here? You wicked and slothful. You knew that I reap where I've not sown, gather where I've scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received what was my own with interest. The master says, listen, I highly value what I gave you. And like the others, you should have at the minimum at least invested in the bank. And all you did was hide it and give me back what's mine. You are wicked and slothful. You are not faithful. And because you were not faithful, you were not fruitful. And as a result of that, I look and I say, you're wicked. And you're lazy. Woo. Why is the master so angry with the servant who did nothing with the talent he was giving? Well, notice that the servant takes no ownership. All he does is provide blame. He takes no ownership. He, he doesn't look and take any ownership for his, his own lack of faithfulness. Instead, he says, well, you're hard. You're a hard master. I'm afraid of you. It's your fault. Ultimately, it's your fault. I love how often we blame God for things that are not God's fault. Because we don't want to own our own laziness. We don't want to own our own wickedness. The truth that really came down to this is that what was different between the other two servants and this servant is this servant didn't really know the master. This servant didn't know the master. The other two knew the heart of the master. They knew the heart of their master. They knew that their master was benevolent and they understood the grace that they had received and they were willing to be faithful in the grace they were given because they knew that their master was one who if they followed in the capability that he had given, the talents he had given and the power he had given, what he had given, that there would be fruitfulness. And so there was not a fear of the master. They simply loved their master enough to be, to be stewards of the grace that they had been given. But this servant had a different opinion. Maybe he sat back. Maybe he stayed away. Maybe he looked at a different at distance. Maybe he saw some of the times when the master had had to call servants into account. And instead of seeing the heart and the love because he, God desires, the master desires great fruitfulness and joy. Enter into the joy of your master. The ultimate is the joy. The joy as, as, as Jesus with the cross. The joy that was set before him. Joy. It's about joy. There is great joy when we begin to employ the gifts of grace that God has given us. When we are faithful and we see the fruitfulness, there is great joy. And the heart of the master is he wants us to experience his joy. But when we don't know the master, all we can see is the accountability. All we see, oh, it's going to be judgment day. Oh, no. I'm going to have, he's a hard man. He's a hard God. He's a mean God. He's an angry God. He's a benevolent God 
who gives us amazing grace. And unless we understand and start at the place of the amazing grace of God and what he has given us and everything he has given us and the desire he has given us, like this servant, we'll hold back. And God doesn't want you to hold back, but he wants you to learn how to abide and how to get to know him and how to understand. And then as you are faithful, you will see fruitfulness and you will experience joy, great joy in your life. See, when we don't value the grace of God and the gifts that he's entrusted us with, we really reveal a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. We, we don't trust God enough to value and use what he has given to us. What he's given to us. And what happens next is sobering. Matthew 25, 28. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be given more and, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast that worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Boy, that seems harsh, doesn't it? But what it comes down to is, is that we give an account for the grace that we've been given. We give an account for the grace that we've been given. It's not that God is unfair. It's not that he is harsh. God is a benevolent giver. He doesn't give more than the servant can handle. He gave him according to his ability. He sees what you and I are capable of. And he doesn't give us more than what we can, what we can do, what we can handle. He gives according. And what he wants out of us is faithfulness and fruitfulness. The fruitfulness comes out of being faithful, out of moving in the, in the capability, in the power of the spirit that God gives us. And that that is the grace of God at work in our lives because there is great benefit there is glory that the master gets and there is great benefit to his body this is not meant to be the fear of God but what it is is to force us to ask what am I doing with the grace I've been given what am I doing with the grace I've been given? Not just his saving grace, but also the gifts of his spirit, the talents and the abilities and the gifts of his grace. What am I doing with what I've been given? How am I using that for God's glory and for his kingdom? In fact, number three, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come because I'm going to wrap it up real quick here. God expects us to be stewards of the grace, the gifts of grace he has given God expects us to be stewards of the gifts, to steward the gifts he has given. Paul himself used this phrase over and over again, the grace, the grace given, the grace given, the grace given to me, the grace given. Look at Romans 12, 3. It says this, for by the grace given to me, I say among you. So he didn't say anything except by the grace given to me. He recognized that the platform he had and the authority he had and what he had to share, what he had been entrusted with was unique authority by the grace given him. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. I laid a foundation not in my own power, but according to, what does he say about the gift? The grace given to me. The grace given to me. 1 Corinthians 15.10, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. But look at this, the grace of God that is at work in me. The grace of God. We use the gifts because they are the grace of God that has been given to us. We act in faithfulness because of the grace of God that has been given to us. Not only in new capabilities, the power to exercise those abilities. 
And then he said this phrase about us. Paul used this phrase about us, Romans 12, 6. So there's three verses later from Romans 12, 3 where Paul said about the grace given to me. Now he says this, having spiritual gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. The grace given to us, it's not just the grace given to Paul, but he says there's a grace given to you. Ephesians 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Friends, you and I have been given a measure of the grace of God, the grace of God, and we have the power of God when we abide in Him to use and to work and to be good stewards of His grace. And so my question to you is, what are you doing with the grace that God has given you? What are you doing with the gifts of grace that God has given you? 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength, look at this, that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And so I ask you these questions today because I want you to enter into the joy of the master. And I say that God himself supplies us with everything that we need. He himself supplies us with what we need. What are you doing with the grace that God has given you? Are you being a good steward of his grace? You see, realizing that God gives each according to his own ability in a proportion to the measure of his faith, it takes away that enemy of comparing because we can't compare ourselves and say, well, what about so-and-so? Well, what about so-and-so? Well, what about so-and-so? God says, no, what about you? What about what I've given to you? What about what I've given to you? It's not about whether we are super talented, less talented, five talent, two talent, one talent. What God is looking for is people who will say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to be faithful. I want to be a faithful steward of what you've given me. And as we are faithful stewards of what he's given us, fruitfulness follows and we get to hear what the master says. These are the words I want to hear one day. Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And you know what? This just hit me. Do you know that phrase was used for both the five talent and the two talent? But do you know what he said for both? You've been faithful over little. Do you know in the eyes of God, whether it's five or whether it's two or whether it's one, it's all little compared to him because he owns it all. It's all little. You've been faithful with little. So whether you've been given five or two or one, you got to understand in the eyes of God, he says, that's just a little of what I've given you. I want to give you much more, but you've got to be faithful in the little. Friends, are you faithful in the grace that God has given you? Are you being faithful in the grace that God has? is given you. Let's pray. Friends, as we're in this moment, I just want to ask you this question and you say, you know what? Pastor, I want to respond right now because I need to be faithful in what God has given me. You say, you know, there are times in my life where I've maybe feared, maybe I've shrunk back, maybe I haven't, I haven't been a good steward of what God has given me and today I need to repent and today I need to ask for for God's favor for God's encouragement for his spirit that I would be found faithful in stewarding his gifts today if that's you will you slip up your hand today I need to be more faithful in stewarding God's gifts in my life
Yeah, thank you, Jesus. If you're online, just let us know if you need prayer today. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we want to be those that are found faithful. Why? Because you want us to enter into the joy of our master. You know there is great joy. You came to give us life, abundant life. And Lord, that is learning how to be faithful in stewarding the grace that you have given us. Stewarding your grace. It's your grace. It's you're amazing. You are benevolent, God. And whatever we have been given, you are benevolent. Let us learn, Lord, how to be faithful in the little that you've given. So that, Father, you might be glorified. Your church might be edified. This world might be changed. God, let us be faithful in the gifts that you've given. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.